Hallelujah. Amen. We greet you uh, this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Uh, we, before, without wasting any time, you can just uh, open our Bibles as we go straight to our, the reading of the Word. Amen. Uh, we'll open the, 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 the Bible from Psalm 103. And I will read from verse 1 up to verse 5. And then also we'll find our reading as well from 1 Corinthians 15. Then we'll start from verse 20. Amen. Uh, If we found, uh, if all of us have found it, I see we are still patient to our Bibles. Uh, If you have all found it, it reads this way. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forgot not all his benefit. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemed thy life from destruction, who crowned thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfied thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen. Amen. And then the second reading will page to First uh, Corinthians, and then we'll start from verse twenty. Because it's a long reading, we'll skip some of the verses. Amen. So you'll just follow along as I read. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruit of them that slept. For since by men came dead. By men came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even in Christ shall all be made alive. I mean, in Christ, who we know is the what? The second Adam. Amen. But every man in his own order. Christ, the first fruit, afterwards they that are Christ at his coming. Then come at the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of, to God, even the Father, whom he shall have he whom he shall have put down all the rule and all authority and power. For he might reign till he had put all enemies under his feet. Then from there we'll go to verse 29. And it reads this way. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead? If the dead rise not at all. Why, why are they then baptized for the dead? Then we'll go to verse 35. And it, but... Some men will say, how are the dead raised? And with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it does what? It dies. Amen. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not the body, that shall be but bare grain. Hallelujah. It may, have, it may chance of wheat or some other grain, but God giveth it a body as it has pleased him. And every seed his own body. And all flesh is not the same flesh, but is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one, the glory of the terrestrial is another. I think you understand what is a celestial and terrestrial body. Amen. And then there is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For one star is from another in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead 
It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body. There is a spiritual body. And also it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. How bad that was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterwards that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is from the Lord from heaven, is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heaven the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. For and as we have borne the image of the earth, we also bear the image of the heavenly. Now I say, brethren, the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Hallelujah. Amen. May God bless the reading of all the word as we can ask Brother Chetty to just come and pray for the reading of the word. Amen. Yeah, Heavenly Father, gracious God. Lord, we are more than privileged, Father. We are more, Lord, and honored this morning, dear God, to be given the opportunity, Father. In our lives, we could say, Lord, like we say, we've been given the last chance, Father. We would have been lost children this morning, Father. We would have been partakers, Father, of the pleasures of the sins of this world mm. in this so-called festive season, Father. Yes, Lord. We would have been demoralized, Father. We would mm. have been trampled. We would have been slaves of Satan, Father. Hallelujah. Leading us to the pits of hell, dear mm. God. But, Lord, this morning before us was read, mm. Lord, the eternal word of God, Father. Yes, Lord. The quickening power of the last Hallelujah. Adam, Father. Now, Lord, we speak a heavenly language, Father. Yes, Lord. We think a heavenly thought, dear Lord mm. Jesus. We could say boo to the devil this morning, Father, Amen. because we are of victory. We yes, are of Lord. children that are walking of higher heights. Hallelujah. We are of children yeah. that are in our position this morning, yes, Lord. Lord, right in this tabernacle this morning, Father, mm. overcoming by the blood of the Lamb this morning, yes, Father, Lord. singing songs of victory, dear Lord. Hallelujah. Satan behind us, Father. God before us, dear Lord. We Amen. have victory this morning by your blood, dear God, and we're just so thankful, Father, and Truly, Lord, we yes. are hungry children this morning, Father. And Lord, we could have stayed at home, dear mm. Lord Jesus. We, we, we could have been in some denominational vomit this mm. morning, Father. Amen. But Lord, we're hungry for your word, O oh God. Yes, Lord. And we come, dear Lord Jesus, and the children of God, each one of us are gathered with the pillow of fire, Lord. Hallelujah. One may ask, where is the Holy Ghost, Father? But we may boldly say that we brought him with us, Father. Yes, for he is with us and even Amen. around us, Father, dear Lord. Jesus and Lord your servant had prepared dear God it is his lot this morning Lord Jesus Amen. to come and study Father and move so supernaturally Father yes, upon certain scriptures and yes. certain quotations dear Lord God mm. where our lives and our souls are hanging upon Hallelujah. that this morning Father Lord for a destiny Lord before yes, us Lord. dear Lord for a fate that lies before us Father mm. for decisions that lies before us yes, Father Lord. for answers that we seek from thee dear Lord 
May you come down, Father yes, Lord. Lord. We cannot get the pillow of fire. Yeah, oh Lord, the mighty Lord. angel in a mosque or mm. in a church yes. or in a temple this morning, Hallelujah. Father. We would look in the denominations, yes, Father, and wouldn't find them, dear Lord Jesus. Yes. But the wise man, Father, knew, Lord, on a Christmas morning mm. where to find the star, Lord. It Hallelujah. was little Bethlehem, dear Lord. And little Bethlehem, dear God, is in the church, Father. He's in the message of the hour, dear yes. Lord God. And we're seeking you this morning, Hallelujah. Father. I know you will not fail us, Lord. Mm. Come, Lord Jesus. Unction the thoughts, Hallelujah. Lord, of your servant that had prayed, yes, dear Lord. God. Put it together to him, dear Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, that he'll bring forth, Father, so the masterpiece, dear Lord Jesus, mm. that we will grow, Lord, in mm. the stature of a perfect man, dear Hallelujah. God. In the darkened world, when they go down to hell, Father, mm. we would grow, Father, dear Lord. Help us, dear Lord, that we could be the lights of this world, yes. that we could also extend the hand of mercy to Amen. our families and our friends and our brothers that mm. are wayward in sin, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. Oh, hallelujah. We can have the pleasure of our seats. Amen. And uh, uh, this morning, uh, this lovely morning, we'd like to thank you for coming here this morning. We know many people have other commitment that it could have gone to, but I think the fact that you've chosen to come here this morning, just to come and hear the word of God, for that the Lord will bless you. Amen. Amen. And then uh, before I get into my own, uh, our sermon this morning, I think those who listen to it here when I preach, I think a month uh, and a half back, we remember that we, we read the, almost the same scripture, the one in Psalms 103. And then our topic then was uh, uh, all of God's benefits or all of God's blessings. And then our subtitle then was Divine Healing. Amen. Amen. So this morning we're still going to continue with the same thought, but we'll have a different topic but related to the same topic. Uh, we'll speak this morning on principles of divine healing. Uh, as you realize, the last week we tried by all means to give an explanation of what divine healing was. So this, this time around, we'll want to see, to, tell, to talk about the principles or the basic fundamental truth that will, will make you to be able to div- get that divine healing. And also we'll want to know where is the position of the, of the, of the position of a believer in relation to divine healing? What is it that a believer needs to do? What is it that a believer needs to achieve? What is it that a believer is lacking for him to get that divine healing? Amen. So you'll find that the topic will be just a continuation of the, of the last message. Uh, but before we get into our sermon, we'd like to thank the Lord for such great message that we had last week. And we'd like to uh, thank the Lord for Pastor Chitin who came and blessed us with those three services that we had last week. <laughs> I think some, of, uh, some will agree with me that even though uh, it, was, it seems like the three services were not enough, it seems like we could just keep on going on and on and on. But I think, remember, God knows our measure. So I think to him, that was his plan to give us uh, those, three, uh, those three services. And then uh, I was blessed. Amen. I think you are also blessed. Yes. And then uh, I was uplifted and then encouraged. And I believe that we are all blessed by last week's sermons. Amen. And then uh, that is why 
uh, it will be good. The reason was because if you can go through the messages that were preached, it was not just ram- random rumblings or just random preaching. It was actually a message that is relevant to us that it comes to address our present situation. That is why there was topics like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> Where are you? That is a direct question to the believers, asking the identity of a believer and where is the believer at this present time, at this present age. Hallelujah. So that is the kind of preaching that brings Jesus Christ to the scene. I think we'll all agree with that. Amen. And that is the type of preaching that will lift up and then that will lift up your faith and that will make you realize that the Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. Hallelujah. That whatever he promises that he had then, the same promises still apply. And in fact, there was another message that was preached. It says, the age of unlimited spiritual opportunities. In that message, if you remember, Pastor Chisins was trying to show you that you might think that we are living in the most corrupt age. But most saints would have loved to have lived in this age. Yes, because this is where God has come down from heaven, came down onto the earth. That is where the seventh seal, the third pool, is fulfilled in this present age. Now, what that means is that if the seventh seal, the third pool, is is fulfilled, it means that all of God, all of him, has been poured into a believer. Now, if that has happened, that means there's nothing that a believer lacks. Whatever weapon, whatever armory you need to fight the devil, God has what? Poured it into you, provided himself for you to be able to fight the, the, the evil one. Amen. So then it dawns us that our God is a present tense God who cares our, about our present tense situation. He's not the God of the past or the God of the future, but he's the God who is there for your present situation. Hallelujah. And then, so we are very grateful uh, that this reinforces the fact that we are special people to God, that God regards us highly. Amen. So as a result, when the pastor last week asked me to preach this weekend, uh, I was a bit intimidated because after such preaching... <laughs> you will ask yourself, what is it that more that you can bring to the people? So I was a bit protest, uh, protesting, but I didn't have a choice because the pastor had to be in, in vendor this weekend because I, I think as Brad Ampanyan has, has told us, uh, he, there is a services going on there in vendor where he's being uh, uh, invited by Pastor Lawrence Mutasa to come and preach in, those, in that convention. Amen. So, because the pastor commanded it, for me, there was no way for me to refuse. Because if the pastor commanded it, I believe it is God saying it. It is God commanding it. So, as a result, that it is God commanding it, I believed that that means God will have a message for you. So, I'll just come here, be a vessel, and then God will come and use my lips. Hallelujah. So, as we said, this morning we're going to speak on the principles of divine healing. Now, as we all know, a principle, uh, I'll just try to read your divination over the principle is, a principle is a fundamental truth or a proposition that serves 
as the foundation for a system of beliefs or behavior or for a chain of reasoning. That is why those who have been to tertiary, even to high school, you find out there are principles of engineering, principles of medicine. That means even though engineering has different bodies, medicine has different branches, there are some basic fundamental facts that they agree on. Whether you are a chemical engineer, electrical engineer, uh, mechanical engineer, you, you name it, electronic engineer, there are some basic engineering facts that those bodies will agree on. Those are the, what the fundamental basic facts of engineering. Even in medicine, is the same. Amen. So even in the message, we, there are some, those facts. That is why the message, the title that I got, I got from the message that Brother Brennan page, titled Principles of Divine Healing. There he was laying out what are those principles. So because, because of that, what we'll do now, this morning we'll just try to follow the prophet, uh, follow his lead, and in the hope that God will bless us. Amen. Hallelujah. So now with divine healing... We have those basics and those fundamental truths. But we, as message believers, we believe in the fulfillment of Revelation 10, verse 7. You know that, Miss. In that God has sent us a prophet messenger in this end time, who God has revealed all the hidden mysteries. That is why we have topics like the seven seal, the seven church ages. Which, if you go to a denomination, those are mysteries. They are still hidden truths, hidden golden nuggets that they can't access to. But because that we have found favor with God, he has sent us in the end time a messenger so that every promise, every truth that is in the Bible, we can have access to. Because if something is a mystery, you don't know anything about it. <laughs> you cannot really use it. It cannot really benefit you because you don't know what it is. But because we have a prophet, the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation, it becomes a seventh seal to us. It becomes a third pull to us because of the word God has done for us in the end time, sending us what? A prophet messenger. Amen. So now, what we're going to do is that uh, we're going to approach this differently. You know that I'm not a pastor, but we have a pastor. There's a way that a pastor can come here and preach, speak to you, and there's a way how a member of the light can come and speak. That will come and complement the fast. So we'll just try to complement all the messages that the pastor had brought all along and then try to see where is our position, who we are, as Pastor Chisinti has said, amen. Now, if we remember in the last uh, sermon, we gave you a definition of what divine healing is. The difference between divine healing and the difference between a miracle. That with divine healing, it requires a faith of a person who is ill. While a miracle doesn't divine, require that person to have faith or it doesn't require that person to believe. It can be because somebody believes in, on, the, on the behalf of that person. Or it could be just a miraculous act that even the person who was not expecting, that is a miracle. 
But now we define healing, we need a person to believe. Now, if we need a person to believe, that means there are some basic principles that we have to follow. And one of those basic principles is a new path. You will find that for you to access divine healing, it requires one to undergo a new birth, to be born again. Hallelujah. One of the basics towards a healing is that a new birth is required. Now, when you read John 3, verse 3, he says, he says, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And that is except he's born in the water and the spirit. He will not enter that kingdom. Hallelujah. I think that is a basic fact that we all know. That you have to confess your sins, be baptized in, on the, in the immersion of water. As it is there in the scriptures. Acts. Remember when Peter came there, spoke to them. He said what? For the remission of your sins. What should you do? You should be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that is one basic fundamental act that will lead you to us, divine healing. Hallelujah. So you, can conf- you, you should need to confess your sins and then you need to be baptized in the immersion of water in the name. Not in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Those are titles. But in the name, you need to know what is that name. That name is what? The Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have time to go on to that fact, but I think most of you here... If you have a question, you are a visitor, you can grab one of the elders. They will come, would gladly come and explain to you why do we say Father, Son, Holy Ghost. That name is the name the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I think, even just to mention a few, Father is not a name. Son is not a name. You need to find, if they say somebody is a father, there are many fathers here. <laughs> so for you to call a father, you need to be specific. Who is that father? You understand? And now, if you read, it doesn't say names. You have three titles. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. That, those are, I, I, I want names. Now, if it says names, that means those three titles represent one. Which is one? The Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So now, when you do that, what you have, you have the old person dying and raised up in the newness of life to walk after the commandment of God. So that to be born again, you must go through a process of death. That means you must die to yourself so that you are born again. So you cannot live again unless you die. That is why we've read 1 Corinthians 15. That chapter, it, 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 it speaks about life and death. Resurrection, dying, resurrection, seeds, being immersed in how you plant the seed and how it comes out. Because when you plant the seed, you plant the seed. But you have to what? Bury it. That is dead. That is why even when a person is, is, is baptized, you have to what? Immerse them so that you bury the old person. That a new person might come alive. Amen. So that you are raised up a new creature in the Lord, in Christ, with a new nature and a new mind. Whereby all the lust, the love of the world has been what? Done away with. Hallelujah. So now, when we have a new nature, a new mind, 
it means now you have the mind of who? You have the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. So now to do that, all this, you need faith. It's only by faith where you can confess, confess your sin, accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, and then be justified, sanctified, have baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So now, when you have done that, you are born of the Spirit, and that is you are able to obey the Bible teaching by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And then now, in essence, as you say, you must go through the process of justification, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Then you become converted. Right. Hallelujah. Now, I want us to read a quotation where Brother Brennan explains what conversion means. You understand? Because now, if you remember, there was a time when um, uh, Jesus was speaking to Peter. Peter had been with Jesus for some time. And then uh, he comes and he says to Peter, when you are converted, strengthen your brothers. Now you say, but Peter was busy yesterday casting out demons. He was busy healing the sick. He was busy walking on water towards Christ. What does he mean when he says, when he is converted? Now we're going to read a quotation whereby Brother Brandon will explain that. Amen. So we'll read... uh, conduct order doctrine and we'll read uh, question 77 whereby they ask brother Brenham is it true that you are not saved unless you receive the Holy Ghost is it true brother yes it is true you, for you to be saved you need to receive the Holy Ghost now here's brother Brenham answering that could, t- could take about a good five hour discussion on that when you accept Christ as your savior and are then ready for baptism in water. You are not yet converted. You are only believing unto repentance. Conversion means what? To be changed. That is why when I spoke to you, I said, you have to receive the Holy Ghost, and then when you have received the Holy Ghost, you are what? You have a new mind. That means then it requires the Holy Ghost for you to be what? Converted. Hallelujah. Now, to take this efficient, Jesus said to Peter, who had also followed him for what? Three and a half years. And in the book of Matthew, the the 10th chapter, Jesus gave Peter power against unclean spirit to go out, cast them out, to heal the sick, to preach the gospel. He had power to do this. And in St. John 17, verse 7, Jesus sanctified Peter to the truth, said the word was the truth, and he was the word. And at, and then before Pentecost, you see now, before Pentecost, he says to him now, after you are converted, then strengthen your brothers. Now, you are only taking steps to conversion as you believe and are acting. Now, we'll, we'll pass now down here and then on verse so that we, 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 don't, we, we, we can quickly go through that. Because this part, uh, we dealt with the other time. So he gave him, that is Abraham, the seal of circumcision as a witness, as proof, that he had received his faith in him. And that is why Paul in Acts 19 said to those Baptist brethren who had Apollos as their pastor, believing the gospel as John had preached, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? You see, they had believed, but because they haven't yet received the Holy Ghost, he says, had not yet been converted. 
Because for a conver- you to be converted, to be changed into a new creature, the Holy Ghost, baptism of the Holy Ghost is required. Amen. Now, we take the wrong in the world, in the, in the word conversion today. We say that a man that is converted is a man that stopped drinking and everything and goes to church or joins the church. He might join the church, but that is not a sign that you are converted. Hallelujah. No, that is not it. He isn't converted until his old life is dead and he's buried what? In Christ. And he's risen with him. That is why we, he's there reading First Corinthians after 15. You see now, he is risen with him in the resurrection of newness of life. When the Holy Spirit has created in him a living hope of eternal life, which only comes through the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Now, as we go on, he says, he has a this is a past scripture to me. For Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me has eternal life. Let me read it so that you, I'll get it to you perfectly right. I want you to listen closely as we go into this scripture. Uh, John 5, verse 24. Uh, verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my words, and believeth on him that sent me, has everlasting life. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. That means before you become a Christian, you are dead. For you to be alive spiritually, you need to want to have baptism of the Holy Ghost. You need to be justified, sanctified, accept the Lord Jesus as your Savior, personal Savior. Then you are what? You are you move from what? Dead into life. That is what? Spiritual. Now, uh, he says now, now the scripture says, no man can say Jesus is the Christ only by the Holy Ghost. That is true. So you cannot believe that Jesus is the Christ until you have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And you are only testifying or saying what the scripture says. Saying what the pastor says. Saying what mother says or some good preacher, you are just repeating. Because it is not has it has not been revealed to you yet. Revelation comes by the Holy Ghost. When you have baptized, you it is become revealed to you. Amen. You are only but you don't know it yourself until he has witnessed his resurrection to you. And no man can call Jesus the Christ until by the Holy Ghost. Therefore, the question is, that a man is safe, I believe, if he's looking towards Calvary and dies in that estate. Certainly, I believe he'll be safe. I believe he'll go through if he had not the opportunity before. But it depends. You go back to the dying thief at the cross. Now, the pastor talked about this the other time in one of the messages, about uh, people coming to church, especially the young ones, all the time. Message is being preached, God being manifested, but they just sit there. <laughs> they don't accept Jesus as a personal savior. He says here, you go back to the dying thief at the cross. But remember, that was his first and last chance. Mm-hmm. 
Now, for you to be converted, for you to accept Jesus as your personal Savior, you do not have to wait until it is your last chance. As we speak now, you can do it. You don't have to wait until you are at a deathbed. That thief, it was his what? First and last chance. That means if he was not converted there, where was he going? To heaven? Definitely not. <laughs> so, according to Brother Brennan, if you come to church, okay, I can give you an example with the pastor. At the age of 14, he was preaching. What does that mean? Did they just pick him up and put him here to preach at the age of 14? It means that at that age before then, he had been what? He had accepted Jesus as his personal savior. He has been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That is what he has done for him to be able to sit here and preach. Because you cannot preach something that you don't have. He had to accept Jesus as his personal savior and Lord for him to come and be able to preach to the people. It was not just an experiment. It is because he had accepted Christ. That means he had something in him, life, that he can impart to the people. Hallelujah. Now he says, you got one tonight. I say you got one today. (laughs) Hallelujah. Don't wait till that time because it might not be that way with you. You won't be dying after being shot, after being stabbed, and then you have Jesus Christ dying next to you. It happened once. (laughs) It's not going to happen again. Now for you to be converted, what you need to do? You need to take a stand now. Because remember, for you to access divine healing, you need to a new birth. For you to become a new creature, for you to be able to fight the devil, a new birth is required. That means you need Christ as your, who, your personal savior, your Lord, and as your, your, what, your leader. You need to yield yourself to him. Amen. Amen. Now, you might not have a deathbed confession. Yes, you might not have it. So I tell you, they are all right, but they are too much of a chance to take a chance on. Yes, it's okay. If you're dying, we can call the pastor, you can confess your sin, then we can pray to you. But that is too much of a chance for you to risk your life on. While you are able, while you are willing, while there's still time, come, confess your sins, accept Jesus as a Lord and Savior, so that you may become you what? A new creature. In what? In Christ. Hallelujah. Now, Brother Brennan says, uh, okay, let me just finish, then I'll tell you what Brother Brennan says. Don't wait for that bed. You let this be your deathbed today. You let today's service be what? Your deathbed. Whereby you're going to want? Have the old man die, be converted into what? A new creature. You get it now. Amen. Now, that you die out now and be born again of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. May God bless the reading of the word. Amen. Now, Brother Brennan says, there is an age of accountability. An age of accountability is when somebody knows right or wrong. At the time, when one knows what is right or wrong, 
it is the opportune time for you what, to come and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I, I, I heard people, I'm not sure, but I think that age will be around 13, 12. It is not a prescription, saint. No. But you find that most of the believers, that is why the pastor was saying, he was surprised that most of our uh, children go through uh, adult, teenage wood. Then they don't accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior. You understand? So as a result, they are giving themselves an opportunity to come engage in wrong things before they come converted. But he says, while you are at it, when you realize that there is right or wrong, be converted. But you need to accept Jesus as a Lord and Savior. We don't prescribe that, do it at 13, 14 hours. No, no. But the moment you realize it, do it while it's still time. Don't come here week in, week out, the message being preached, God manifesting himself in his people, and you just let it go. Isn't that, do you remember the pastor saying that? Yes, because you need to accept him as the Lord and Savior so that if it happens that rapture comes, you become part of it. If it happens that is your last day, you become part of it. Hallelujah. Isn't that so? So now, that age of accountability requires you to take a stand. That means if you don't accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are accepting something else. Now, before you are accepting something else, accept him. <laughs> then you'll see your life will become easier. Hallelujah. Now, you will realize one thing. That is why we spoke on that scripture. That if for you to live, something has to die. Whatever food that you eat, whether it's a vegetable, for you to be able to eat it, it has to die. It has to be plucked out, die. Then you can use it. A cow, you cannot eat a live cow. <laughs> you can eat a live chicken. It has to be killed, slaughtered, cooked, then you eat it. Amen. Now, uh, for, for you to live, you need something to die. That is on the natural. That means also on the spiritual, for you to, lie, to, to live, you need someone to die. Now, I'll give you a, a, an example now. With a plant, you as a human being, you cannot access your own energy or create the energy that you need in your body to sustain your life. No. You need to take food, and that food you ingest, then it comes into your body as energy, carbohydrates, protein, fats that you require for you to have what? Grow, to maintain yourself, to be healthy, so that you are not what? Malnourished. Now, how does the plant do it? Now, a plant, green plants, they, have, they are able to manufacture their own food through the process of photosynthesis. I think some of you have done biology, you know that. Whereby they form chlorophyll through sun and water. It, the water comes and the minerals come through the roots. The sun rays comes and bring energy. When those two meet in the protocytes, which are the cells in the plants, they create a process of photosynthesis, whereby food is created in a plant. That is why you, have, you eat a fruit. That is the process that created that fruit. You understand? And then through that energy of the sun, the water from the root, you can have what? Energy. That is what? On the natural. Now, even a cow that you eat has to eat what? Plants. For it to grow the proteins that you require so that you will be able to live. Amen. Now, the natural 
types the what? That means even in the spiritual, someone has to die. Or something has to die for you to be able to live. Amen. Now, if you see now, a plant requires an S-U-N. You, as a human being, you require what? The S-O-N. For you to want to spiritually live. Amen. That is why we depend on what? Dead substances naturally. And then now, something has to die spiritually also for us to live and save our spiritual lives. Hallelujah. So, that required something. Now, remember, uh, in the Garden of Eden, Eve and Adam sinned, and then now they were cut off. When they were cut off, that means all the channel that they have with God. I'm happy that Brother Morera, uh, Borera preached the other time on the, a channel of blessing. Because you realize that for you to be assessed God's benefit, you need to get in the channel. A channel of blessing. You will realize that when Adam was in Egypt, when he was in the channel, when God was channeling him, he had power. He was a what? A semi-god. He could name animals. He could change the direction of the river. He could change the direction of the, what? Of the wind. He was what? He was a god. You understand? Now, even for you to be able to assess those benefits, to be able to assess God's promises, I mean, it says, the word of God says, if you believe, you can move mountains. He says the work that, that Jesus Christ has done, greater works than this you can do. It is in the word. It is your promise. But for you to be able to do it, to access that, you need what? To get in a channel. That channel that Brother Berman says was locked up. When Adam went, he came unto the serpent. He came unto the wife after his wife is beguiled his wife. That was that channel, that supernatural channel was locked up. Now for you to be able to go back into the state that Adam was, what do you need? You need somebody to take you back. That means you need a kinsman redeemer. You need what you call a second Adam. I think we read here. It spoke only about a second Adam. A second Adam that is required to want to die for us. Now remember, because of sin, it required blood. Somebody to die, to shed blood, so that we can be cleansed, our sins can be cleansed, all our transgressions could be forgiven. But no man could die for us. Many men have tried, have died, but the, the death of a man could not save you. Yes. Now, because of that, it required somebody. It required God himself to come and die. But now, remember now, God is a spirit. You cannot kill him. He cannot die. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's omnipresent. He's all-powerful. He's the kind of person that you cannot kill. Now, it required one Somebody close to us, a kinsman. That is why God had to come, create a blood cell in Mary, the vision, so that he come and then be a human being. He suffered the same temptation that you've suffered, so that he can die for you. Because with him, he was not born through sexual desire. There was no sin involved when he was born. He was a worthy person to die for your sins. Amen. So that was the S-O-N that you required to die for you so that you have 
eternal life. You have become a new creator. You can access the benefit that God has laid there for you. It required what? The death of a pure person. Incorruptible human. Incorruptible mortal being. Only God could do that. But because he's a spirit, he had to come enter. Pour himself. (laughs) Hallelujah. Into the Lord Jesus Christ so that he will die for you. Amen. Now, he took, so that means God became material, became flesh, and died so that we might live. All right. So it was the death of the Lord Jesus Christ that what? Opened up that locked up channel. Now, it means if, now those channels are locked up, every promise Every book, every scripture, every chapter, every verse is yours. You just have to take it, access it, use it for your, for your benefit. That is why he, the, when we read, it says, forget not of God's benefit. That's what he says. Those are your benefits. As Brother Morera says, those are your blessings. You need to have one access to them. The only way is for you to want die to yourself. Hallelujah. Become what? A new creature in Christ. Amen. Spiritually, we require that God in the form of his son Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die for us to live. Now, when he died, he redeemed us back to our former glory. Now, there's a quotation also I would like to read. Um, It is the Redeemer Redemption, uh, uh, it was preached in 1955, November 19. Uh, We'll read paragraph 54. He says, what did he redeem? This kinsman redeemer. What is it that he redeemed? He redeemed your soul from hell. That is why you need to be converted. You need to accept Jesus. Because if not, your soul will remain in hell. You need him to redeem you. Hallelujah. He redeemed and brought us back everything that Adam lost. Oh my God. Do you see it? Everything. Not part of it. Not 90% of it. Not 50% of it. Not 30% of it. 100% of it. Hallelujah. When he put you, when Adam, because Adam put you on a pawn shop, because he rests with you. So you are in a pawn shop. Now, Jesus Christ on Calvary was your kinsman redeemer. That redeemed you from every curse of the devil. He redeems your soul. He redeems. Now, here's, the, here's the divine healing now. He redeems your sick body. He redeems your weary, dreary spirit. He brought you happiness. He brought you what? Joy. Hallelujah. That what the redemption brought you. Brought you peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, power. The Holy Ghost brought you divine healing. So you see it now. All this, Jesus brought to you because he is our, our kinsman redeemer. Hallelujah. Now, After this, 
you be you remember when we roll, when we, if you go back, John says, "Except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God." Now that means after you are converted, after you have been redeemed, after all those blessings that Adam has lost, now you have what you call a kingdom mindset. This is what Brother Brennan speaks about when you read the book Perfect Faith. He speaks about a kingdom mindset. That means you believe God's worth, have divine healing of what? Of the soul. Divine healing of the what? Of the spirit. Divine healing of the what? Of the body. From the soul to the spirit to the body. Because remember what he said. He says the greatest healing is the healing of the what? Of the soul. It is the healing of the soul. Because if you are healed in the soul, Christ is inside there. It just flows out. That is why we, if you are there, in the spirit, that is where depression, panic attacks. All this mental illness laid there. When you have divine healing of the souls, from there it clears it out. Any disease that you may have in the body, when you have divine healing, clear it up. The only thing you need is that in your soul there must be what? Faith. No doubt. Faith. There must be what? God. That means when God heals, when God redeems you, he comes and he sits in your soul. Then he, the, the, he says, the, the brother Bram teaches that he becomes, he gets into that control tower. Then controls your life. Guides you. Hallelujah. Because now everything, your mind becomes Christ. Everything that you do becomes Christ-like. Hallelujah. Now, that you are now justified, sanctified, have baptism of the Holy Ghost, you are converted, you become a son and a daughter of God. Now, that is how you become, you have a kingdom mindset. That means everything you think about is concerning God's things, God's kingdom. Hallelujah. Now, you have what you call a kingdom mindset. Now, I want us to read a, um, a quotation here where I think Pentecost failed. Uh, we'll read a paragraph 104 to 105. And then uh, it was preached in 1955, 11, uh, November 11th. Um, now, here, Brother speaks about one young man that was a slave. While years back when slavery was still, before slavery was outlawed in the United States, he says, they happened to notice one young man among about, a slave owner who held about 100 slaves. And this young man, he was such a gallant fella. You see, a Christian is gallant. This young man was what? A gallant fella. Always had his chest sticking out. Oh my. Do you remember when the pastor uh, preached on reckless faith? That reckless faith is a faith that has his hairs on his chest. Chest out. That is reckless faith. So this man had his chest Sticking out. His chin out. Proud. Now you ask yourself, you are a slave. What is it that you are proud of? Hmm, what is it that you are proud of? Because you are a slave. He was ready to do anything. Be up at any time. And some slave buyers came by and said, what makes this young man so gallant? 
Have you made him a boss over the others? Are you treating him differently? Are you feeding him differently? Is he eating special food? That is what he asked. Because he was not like the rest of them. No, my brother and my sister. Because you are a child of God. You are not like the rest of them. You have a kingdom mindset. Even when you are here, remember, brother, uh, the, the Abraham says, I'm a pilgrim and a stranger here. Simply saying, this world is not my home. Now, that means you are looking for a city to come. A better city. A new Jerusalem. Here, you are just doing what? Passing by. Now, you find that when you are here, the conditions that are prevailing here, they do not suit you. That is why we will say you are a slave when you are here because you are still looking forward to be released into a city, a new home that has been built for you. Now, these young men being in slavery, as he was, he was proud. He, 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 he had his chest out. He was living as if he, the condition that he was there did not affect you. Even you, the condition that you have here as a believer should not affect you. You should not conform to the condition of this world because you are meant for better things. Hallelujah. You are meant for what? Better things. You are supposed to be better. You are supposed to be what? Something better. A son and a daughter of God. Now the slave owner answered and says, No, sir. He's just a slave. Said, Do you give him better food than the rest of them? No, sir. He gets the same food with the rest of them. Well, what makes him so gallant? And how he conducts himself? Said, I tell you, I just found out. Now the world needs to find out about you. Who you are. You see, the slave owner just found out that he is the son of a king of a tribe. (laughs) You are a son and a daughter of God. Your king is what? The Lord Jesus Christ. That means in your genes runs a different type of blood. You have a gene of God inside of you. That makes you special. That makes you peculiar. That makes you to be a person that is different from the people that are in this world. You should not do what? Conform to them. Hallelujah. Now, as we go on, he said, yet away, you are away from home. Your home is heaven. Yet while you are away, he still knows he's a son of a king. Aren't you a son of a son and a daughter of a king? Yet away from heaven, you should still express your kingship. You should still express what is it that you are made of. You should still express the special substances that is in you. The gene of God. The blood of God. That is flowing in you. Hallelujah. Now, his conduct must be good to hold up the rest of the morals. I think I've... uh, My friend... As you go from here tonight, you are sons and daughters of a king. That's what Abraham is saying. There it is there. As you go on here tonight, as we're going to reach a new year, remember, you are a son and what? And a daughter of a king. You are aliens here. You are foreigners here. This world is not your home. You are just passing by. 
And the rest of them will come forward and share. So he was talking about the people who were what? Being accepting Jesus as the Lord and Savior. But now, this, about this young man, it shows you that even though he was in slavery, he had a kingdom mindset. His thinking was different. He, because of the, his different, the faith that was in him, he, he called himself up as a sign of a king while he was still in slavery. Remember, brethren, the reason why we say it is slavery. Remember when Jesus Christ was tested. The, the devil took him and said, um, I will take you up to the highest point. And then he showed him all the, all the world, the whole world. And he said, I will, if you will just bow to me. This, all these riches that you see in the world, they are yours. Why did Satan do to say that? It is because the world, the, 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 the mechanism that is running the government, the government system, is controlled by who? God? No. It's controlled by the devil. All the system, economic system that we see here, it is controlled by what? The devil. Now, the ruler here is him. That is why he even had the audacity to even offer God himself, Christ, said, I will, you just bow to me. This world, I will give it to you. Now, that is why when you are here, you are like a slave because this world, the person who controls you is not your father, is the devil. That is why God says this world is going to burn it with fire. Clean all this world system so that he will want put his new system here. That is why New Jerusalem, when it comes here, the whole world will be cleaned up, burned up, scorched up. Every sin, everything that is contrary to the word of God, done away with. Hallelujah. Now he says what? You must have a kingdom mindset. Now, another thing is that now, while you are a son of God, now you are a daughter of God, you need to have faith in what the world says you are. That's, that is it. You need to have faith. You need to have faith in what? The world say you are. Jesus had faith in what the world, the world says he was. He even had told the people that you can take my body, kill it. In three days I will raise it up. It was not him just saying it. It was said in the words, in the scriptures before. Now all he had to do was to do what? Manifest. Even you you must have faith in what the world says to you so that you manifest what the world says. That's all you have to do. Jesus Christ is not going to come and die for you again. It's already done. Jesus Christ is not going to come and heal you out of the disease. It's already done. Jesus Christ is not going to come and fight for you. It's already done. Jesus Christ is not going to come and defeat the devil for you. It's already done. All you have to do is do what? Accept it. That's all. Have faith in what the world says you are. The word says you are. Now, that is why Pastor Shisens, when he was preaching, he preached on also a mention an element of adoption. That a son had to undergo tutorship, mentorship. While undergoing mentorship, he had to qualify. He has to pass some tests for him to be adopted. For him to be able to have the same signature, the same right 
That means when he writes a check, the weight of his signature is the same as that of his father. You need to be adopted. <laughs> so that when you say we are casting out the devil, the devil is cast out because now whatever you are saying is the same thing. It is Christ saying it through you. Hallelujah. You need to be what? Adopted. Now, another thing that we need to speak of, which is another principle, it is the prayer. That's another principle. Basic prayer. You cannot win victories unless you pray. <laughs> for you to win victories, for you to defeat the Satan, you need to pray. You need to come and then uh, communicate with God. Lay your life before him. Ask him. Sometimes even demand. I mean, it's your right. You are a son and a daughter of God. Demand healing. We will speak as we go on about Hezekiah. You know what Hezekiah did? He was about to die. But he prayed. He went there told God, I've been faithful to you. I've been a faithful servant. I've listened to you. How can you say, I must make my house in order, accept to be die, to die? That was Hezekiah. Even you, you can go demand the same from God. The word of God says, before even Isaiah left, he was on the way, the prophet Isaiah, going, after telling Hezekiah that you are going to die. You must set your, this disease that you have, I have been told there is no cure. He went, wept, faced the world, cried to God. How can this be? You know, because he respected God. We'll speak on respect as we go on. Because he respected God. God turned his decision. Gave him 15 more years. We say he's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. That means what he did with Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, he can still do it with you. As we go on, as we're about to close, we'll read your quotation of how that same thing happened here in our time. Hallelujah. Now, he says, in, in a, if you can just open James 5, verse 13 to 16, uh, if you can just maybe uh, just show it up there, my brother, please. James 5, verse 13 to 16. Now, here is a prayer. Here is what the word of God says about a prayer. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. It's not me. There is written. It is the word of God saying it. That is your promise. That is your God-given right. That is what you need to access. As the, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven. Confess your fault one to another. And pray for one another. Did you pray for the pastor this morning when you came here? Did you pray for me while I'm going to sit here? 
Yes, because the reason we are here is through your prayers. Prayer changes things. It changes situation. If you are sick, through prayer, healing is assured for you. Hallelujah. That you may be what? Healed. The affected, uh, the effectual fever and prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There it is. Hallelujah. Now, the only thing with these things is that we need to have the, what? the right mental attitude. The pastor spoke to us about attitude. You need to believe God for what he says. You need to have faith in what the leadership that God has put before you, the elders that he has put for you, so that prayer, prayer might be effectual. If you don't, you're wasting your time. Why, why do you seek prayer if you don't believe in the person praying for you? Because even Brother Abraham says, if you can make the people to believe, if you are sincere and you make the people to believe, nothing can, nothing can stand before your prayer. That is what was said to Brother Abraham. Nothing. Because what? Prayer changes things. Prayer changes situation. Prayer changes circumstances. Hallelujah. Now, one thing that you need to know is that unconfessing as always, it is a hindrance. That is why it says here, confess your fault one to another and pray one for another so that they, your, the, that channel is not clogged up. That supernatural channel is open up. Sin, especially unconfessed one, that is what clogs it up. Amen. Hallelujah. Now prayer changes what? Situation. It changes things. The hindrance only being sin. Now, even Hebrews teaches us, in Hebrews, Paul teaches us that Jesus Christ is the high priest of our confession. He's what we confess him to be. It was we confess him to be, what we believe him to be, what we believe him to do for us. That's it. And redemption, any redemptive blessing that, we, that he died for, he is sitting at the right hand of the Father to make good anything so that it might be accepted by him. Hallelujah. And we know that when Christ died on the cross, he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we were what? Healed. So every believer has the right to those redemptive blessings. You just need to come and claim them. So just take God as his word. Do not be afraid to do so. To commit God to what he promised you. Don't be afraid. All you need to do is to believe and accept. Hallelujah. That everything that he has lived for, everything that he has promised, it will come to fulfillment. You need to have the right mental attitude. Believe, believe, and believe. Hallelujah. Now, also you need to take God as his word. That's another principle of divine healing. That you need to God, take God at his word. When he says, greater things than this you will do, that's what he promised. It doesn't mean any other thing. When he says, that means you need to believe God, Word, believe the power of God's word. Believe God's promises about his word that, they are, that are littered everywhere in this Bible. Lots. 
The only thing is just to come there and access them. They are yours. They are not for anybody else except a believer. Hallelujah. Now, as we realize, another principle is that he must increase in your life. That means the more he increases, the, the you must decrease. That is what John said. When he was there preaching, baptizing, they said, John, that man there, the one that you spoke about, it seems like he's even baptizing more people. And he says, yes, it's because he must de- increase, I must decrease. The same thing applies to you. That you'll never go get more of God until you become nothing. That means you forsake yourself and God comes and occupies you. You've got to belittle yourself, stay humble, be meek, for God to be able to what? Work in you, work through you. That's it. That is one basic principle. If you do that, God can come, use you to pray for the people, to heal the people. God can come, answer a prayer if you're sick. That is it. That is what it means here. That he must increase in your life. You, the you, the problem, this natural man, this man that is full of lust, full of everything, each and every day must die, decrease. That God comes and do what? Take over. Hallelujah. So for God to use you, you must decrease. He must increase. You have to yield yourself to him. Hallelujah. That is God's principle throughout the ages. You must what? Yield yourself. So for God to be able to use a man, that man must yield. Him, himself, the, what he is, must go. And then only God must be the one occupying that man so that God may use him. Hallelujah. Don't, for God to work on you or even use you, you are to yield yourself and allow him to take over. For God to be able to work in you, or to use, you need to let his spirit overshadow you, even overpower you, so that he can use you, work through you. You need to die to yourself. Now, when you die to yourself, that means every bridge that you had behind you, that could lead you back to sin, it needs to be broken. Bend. That the only thing that exists in your life is God. Hallelujah. You need to surrender everything to Christ. That he will use you, he will heal you, he will bless you, and then he will anchor you and also exalt you. Hallelujah. Now, you need also to be a believer. That is is a simple, basic fact. For you to be able to have God's benefit, you need to believe. Now, you know we have made believers you have unbelievers. But these benefits are for the believers. You understand? That is why he's a, a, real, a real believer. Jesus said in Mark uh, 16, chapter 12, that these signs shall follow them that that believe. They shall do what? What shall they do? They shall speak with new tongues. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall take up serpents. Hallelujah. You know that Paul did that. We'll speak about it. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That is if you believe. These are the promises of who? A believer. If you believe, 
These are yours. Now, I will go there and then put the disclaimer on this. Brother Brenham says, if you handle a deadly serpent, it will bite you and you will die. <laughs> yes. Now, how does, how does this work now? If it happens that you are busy baptizing, you are there in the field baptizing, a deadly serpent beats you. You did not tempt God, you didn't do anything. You will live. You just have to believe it. Mara, if you tempt God, we're we going to do CPR on you, brother. Yes, we're going to have to come and call ambulances and everything. So this thing that people do, snake charmers, those are not for believers because we don't tempt God. It is according to situation. Our faith works according to situation. I'll give you an example. When the children of Israel went through, were were, were delivered from Egypt, they had to go through the Red Sea. That is something they had to go through. You go there into the rest, you're going to drown. Because that, was, <laughs> that is not a, a, a miracle that was supposed to happen for you. It was for them. God had to do it at that time. You understand? You don't tempt God. You believe God. Yes. Even when I can tell you, my brother, if somebody pours a poison for you and you are a believer, you will not die. But you cannot drink poison and say, because I'm a believer. <laughs> Hallelujah. I will die. No, my friend, we will bury you. <laughs> because what are you doing? You are tempting God. That means you are not believing the word. You are doing an experiment. Don't experiment with God. <laughs> you don't do such a thing. Hallelujah. Now, whatever is written in this Bible and applied them. But if you, it also, it did, when it, it applied them with Paul, it also applies with you. That God was great then, he's also great today. He hasn't changed. He never changes. And then, those things that Mark speaks about, those promises, we need to believe all of them. Not only some, but all of them. Hallelujah. So, Barabalim says, we have no business taking anything away from that word or adding anything to it. In fact, Paul says, but though we or any, if we, we or any angel comes and preach any other gospel, hallelujah, except the one here, he says, don't believe him. In fact, let him be a test. These promises are yours. Hallelujah. So you need to be a real believer. Those promises are yours. And if any man, as I've said before, preach anything other than the gospel unto you that you have received, let him be a test. Because God is what? Perfect in his word. God's word is perfect. If you need salvation, God's word will give you perfect salvation. That is why Abraham says God will not save you to lose you. No. If he saved you, you are saved indeed. If you are saved and then you go back, it's because maybe you are not saved at all. Maybe you need to look at your confession, look at your position in Christ. Because if you are saved, you are saved. The only person Judas is carried out. He was not a believer. He was a make-believer. That is why he died in sin. 
Understand? It was not a matter of like, he, yes, as a believer, you can make a mistake. That is why Paul says we die every day. But we die everything, we recognize our mistake, then we fix them. Because we are one believers. Hallelujah. Now, as you remember, Paul in that island of Crete, no, in fact, it is uh, Melita, I think it's the island of Melita, he had an appointment with uh, a Caesar. Now, while he had an appointment with Caesar, they took him as a prisoner. While going there, the angel of the Lord, now you listen, the angel of the Lord came to him and said to Paul, you, Paul, you are going to meet Caesar. Now, while they were traveling in that uh, ship, what happened is that there was a storm that came. People were afraid for their lives that they're going to die. And even the, 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 the ship even was even drifted so far away from land to the respect that they did not see themselves surviving. But Paul came and says, Brethren, be of good cheer. Yeah. The angel of the Lord has spoken to me. Yes. And he has told me that none of you, you will lose their life. Yes, the ship might be wrecked, but you, you will survive it. Why? Paul believed God at his word. That is why even after they, 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 they landed on an island after the ship was wrecked, he was busy gathering wood. And then a snake came, a viper. Brother Brennan says a black mamba. Now I tell you, a black mamba is a neurotoxic snake. What it does is that when it bites you, within 5 to 10 minutes, your lungs collapses, your heart stops because it paralyzes your nervous system. You are dead. That's how poisonous it is. Now this viper, the black mamba, came, big paw. Now, when the people in that island who had welcomed them saw this, they said, ah, this man is a real murderer. He survived the shipwreck. Now he's beaten by a snake. That means even the gods are not with him. That is why he must really have done something terrible. But Paul just took the snake, shook it into the fire, continued. Now they were watching. Say, hey, let's give him time. Let's see what's going to happen to him. Five minutes passed. Paul was busy gathering wood, speaking to the saints, encouraging the believers. Oh, brethren, oh no, everything is fine. As we said, we, the, another ship is going to come take us because we need to go to Italy. We need to go and miss Caesar. The people were like, huh, why is this not this man dropping down dead? What, what type of a person it is? Now the people thinking he was a murderer. Now, after once... <laughs> They said, no, man, there's something wrong. Maybe he's a god. He, he, he is a god. That is why the word says, you are amateur gods. Because Paul had what? Had God inside of him. Whatever was inside of him, go there, cleared up the snake venom. It even had no effect on him. So that Paul was not tempting God. The snake came and it beat him. So there was the application of the scripture. Paul showed it. Paul lifted. Paul demonstrated it. You can do the same today. The only thing you need to do is to believe. Believe the promises that God has said, has laid up for you. Hallelujah. Now you need to be a real believer. Hold on to God's unfailing word. Hallelujah. That's what you need to do. Now, remember, it's just that this I've spoken about, that the real enemy of divine healing is what? Time and sight. And as it passed by, he did not 
Because the people, what I mean is that the people, when they were looking at it, was a matter of time before Paul could drop that. Because, but because Paul believed through divine healing, he, it withstood the elements of sight, element of time. That element, that way, that are on the body, the, the word of God, the belief of Paul could make God come heal him to withstand them. That is why time for a believer is non-significant. Sight, it is not what you see. What the, whatever disease you might be having, whatever cancer you might be having, we spoke about cancer the last time, a woman that had a growth, that was something scary that you could see. Something that with your eyes, you, it will test your faith. But God, through divine healing, whereby you need to believe every promises of, 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 of his word will take care of that. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm trying to rush because I see time is not with me. Hallelujah. Now, the last thing that we need to speak about, I think for, will, be, will be on time, is respect. Now, for divine healing to work on you, to have an effect on you, you need to have respect. You need to have respect for God's word. You need to have respect for God himself. You need to hold yourself in a respectable manner to be one, a vessel that God can use. Now, respect means a feeling of deep admiration to, uh, of, for somebody due to their abilities or qualities. And uh, also to esteem somebody highly or to have a high regard for somebody. Now, you will realize that if you respect somebody, you will automatically have confidence in them because you respect them. And uh, you, will, you will have confidence in their abilities. You will have confidence in their mandate. You will have confidence in what that person stands for. Now, when you respect somebody, you believe that person. You believe in them. That means you believe God and you believe in God's word. You understand? Now, if, the, 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 if you realize there is many scriptures in the Bible that talks about respect. Husband must love their own wives, but wives must what? Respect their own husband. Because if you respect your own husband, you will bring something, a different quality in him. If something was difficult, if your wife can come and say, oh, Brother Chet will do it, that gives you confidence. That gives you strength. That gives you a, a, an injection to go there, do more. That is why has, husband, wives should have what? Respect for their husband. They must submit to their husband in every way. That's, that's what the word of God says. And it also says children must obey their, 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 their parents in everything. In if their parents in the Lord, in everything. That is efficient. So we, I'm not going to read it because we don't have time. All right, but now what I want you to, to get to is that if a, 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 the reason why it is important for a wife to respect the husband is because remember, the, the, the wife was created for the husband to support him, to be what? A help made for him. Now, when God created men, you remember he created to whom? Male and female. That was the spirit man. Then, in that spirit man, that means there was a masculine trait and a feminine trait in him. You understand? So, when he created Adam, 
who in Gen- when he created the man in Genesis 2, that man, the one that he formed, the man that he put there, that he came and breathed the, 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 the bread of life in him, that made him a living soul. That man, the spirit that was in him, what is a feminine and a masculine spirit. That is why when a man, the word of God says, a man shall cling into, onto her wife and forsake everybody else. And the two shall be one because the wife is from a what? Is from the husband. Even now, when you are here on earth, when you marry, you are getting your partner that God has created for you. That is why, speaking to young men, when you marry, you express who you are. Because remember, the wife is the expression of a husband. If you don't know me, you just need to look at my wife. Me, I'm a quiet person, but with my wife, you will know exactly what I represent. Because my wife will express me. That is what the way, what is what Brother Brennan says. You understand? So, for a man, a young man to come, express him to himself, to show the kind of character to show the kind of substance he's made of, you will see him at the choosing of a of a bride. You will see that young man at the choosing of a bride. Then you will see what type of a substance that young man is made of. So for a young man to express himself, when you are not married, we, we can say, yeah, brother, so is so like this. But the moment you choose a wife, we, especially the elder, says, oh, that is that kind of a young man. Because a wife is part of you. He's part and parcel of you. That is why the word of God teaches that a man should love his wife as he loves himself. As he loves his body. Because he says, the, the, the word of God says, a man, any person will take care of his body. Because he, he will nourish it he will take care of it. He will look after it because it is part of him. That means that we expect young men to come and do the same thing. And then we expect wives to come and do what? Respect that husband. Because if you are respect your husband, you uplift him. Even if the situation was contrary, if you stand by him, respect him. God looking at your heart that even though the man might not be gifted, that you believe in him, something is bound to happen. Something is bound to happen. God is bound to bless your marriages. Hallelujah. Now, as we go on, the point really that I want to pass here is that, remember, when the word of God speaks about, speaks about a husband and a wife, it speaks about what? The Christ and the church. Hallelujah. Now, it's speaking about Christ and the church. That means it speaks about what? A pastor. Now, I want to say a few things here. Now, you know that the pastor is the husband of the church. Isn't that so? Now, so if it is without question that the church must respect what? The pastor. It must have confidence in its pastor. It must believe in its pastor. Because... The word of God, now I'm going to read your quotation that Brenham talks. He says, in position of a believer in Christ, the spoken word was written in 1955, uh, February 27. I'm just going to go quickly through it. He says, your pastor is a shepherd. 
Being a shepherd, he's a shepherd that God has put there to look after what? The sheep. It's true. But to look mostly, the quotation, if you can, he says, to look after your soul. That means to look after the soul of the sheep. That is the work of the pastor. That is why when you come here, I'm happy Brother Shady mentioned the word sheep. Because the shepherd cannot be a shepherd unless there is a sheep to look after. And a sheep has a nature. The nature of a shepherd of a sheep is that the sheep needs a shepherd to look after. To, to be looked after by a shepherd. If the sheep is lost, it is lost. It will need a shepherd to come and find it. So that the, the, we as Christians, as sheep, without the pastor, without Christ, we are lost. That means that is why the word of God says the pastor is watching over your soul. That means when the pastor comes here, he feeds you. That is why he, they say he's an angel on the pulpit. Whatever yes, he's watching over your soul. If you got that pastor, flee to God and pray for him all the time. Listen to him. No, but and on top he says, but pray God to send you some sensible sound gospel preacher that will stand in the way, give you a little bit of spanking when you need it, and love when you need it, and keep you lined up with the scripture and with the spirit. That is the one, that is the function of a pastor. He is a shepherd watching over your soul. Now, one thing that my parents advised me is that I must listen to the pastor. That is one simple, basic advice. You need to listen to your pastor. Now, I will tell you, the reason you, need, you should not be, as a believer, a smart sheep. I will tell you what is a smart sheep. A smart sheep is the kind of sheep that when the pastor has laid down a way, has laid down a pastures that you need to go feed on, he will go there and pasture somewhere else. You understand? That is a smart sheep. And you'll find that it's a sheep that thinks it can lead itself. A sheep cannot lead itself. It needs a pastor to watch over it. Hallelujah. Now, you will realize that, as I explain the characteristics of a smart sheep, you'll realize that it is not really a smart sheep. It is actually a goat. Because a goat, by its nature, goes there, feeds everywhere. I can bet you, I am going to tell you about my experience. I have never seen a sheep roaming around in town. Have you seen it? A sheep wandering around in town, going through people, the marketplace, running around, jumping onto people. Have you seen two people's things, feeding, going to malls, doing that? But a goat, I've seen plenty. That is because a goat cannot be led by a shepherd. A goat has a certain nature in it. You, as believers, you have a nature of a what? A sheep. Whereby you need a pastor to look after you. Now, a sheep by nature will be led. Brother Brenham says, I preached this message a long time ago. The message was titled, The Door of a Sheep. Brother Brenham says, I wondered why they said Jesus Christ was a door to the sheep. 
is because in the sheepfold, the sheepfold is the crawl where the sheep will come. At night, come and stay there. When they stay there, you'll find out that they, at the gate where the, the, the sheep has to enter, it is made of wood. Mm-hmm. The shepherd will come and lay in that gate. The rest of the, of, of the crawl will be protected by thorns and we saw that lions, wolf, jackals cannot enter into the sheepfold. The only way will be through the door whereby you will find the shepherd, whereby you will find Christ lying there, waiting, looking after your heart, watching over your soul. Looking after the sheep while the sheep is lying there, sleeping, the shepherd is risking his life at the sheep door, at the door of the sheepfold, so that no enemy can enter, my friend. If you are in the sheepfold, Christ is watching over you. No enemy can enter. That is why uh, time is on, but uh, let me just pass this one so that you understand. That is why, if you remember, when the devil came to, the, to God, while God was busy speaking about Job, he said something about Job. He said, if you remember, he said, you have built a hedge around him. Yes, you can say he's an upright man. You can say he's a good man. You can say he follows your command. But it's because you've given him everything. You have built a hedge around you. A sheep fold. There's a sheep fold around him. I, as a lion, I, as a jackal, as the devil, I cannot enter and cause harm to him. That is what God does for you. That's what God does for a believer. Now, Every situation you may go through, everything that you may find yourself in is because God allowed it. And because he allowed it, he knows that you will be able to overcome that situation. That is one principle of divine healing. That every disease that you may encounter, every situation that you may encounter is because God has allowed him. And being, having allowed him, being a confessor of our, of our professor of our confession before God, he will look after you. Make sure that you go through that situation. Hallelujah. Now, that is why they said he is a want, he is a door to the ship. That is why he's watching over your soul. Now, I, what I want to say is that if you come here to Lighthouse Tabernacle, you have no confidence in the leadership here. You have no confidence in the past. You are actually robbing yourself. Because if you come here, you don't have confidence in those people. There, the shepherd is watching for your soul. That means every blessing that you have, you will not access it. Because you do not believe in the people or the men that God has set here. Now, for you to access those blessings, for you to be able to have them is that you need to believe in the person, the elders that God has sent here. That is why, if you remember, there's a quotation that I read for you long, uh, some time back uh, in one message that I preached that says, elders, there are some people that talk to God as if speaking to a friend face to face. Brother Bram says, some of the people, now when Brother Benham was saying this quotation, he was including even himself. He says, those people, when we have a problem, go to them. Mm-hmm. 
so that they will come, come and pray for you. Because an elder is somebody that has come so close to God that speaking to God is like speaking to a friend. That's how elders are. That is why Pastor Chisinti, as an elder, there's something that he said. He said, he was preaching one day. Now, while preaching, the, the Baptist people came, brought this blind person. Because he's an elder, he is close to God. For him, he realized that it was a challenge. That means these people challenges my God. He spoke to God right there and there. Call that woman who's blind and say, come, let's pray for you. Prayed for him the first time. Do you see? The woman says, no. Prayed for him, that woman, the second time. Still cannot see. Prayed for her the third time. And the woman said, I could see. That is an elder. Because they are in close contact with the spiritual world. They are in close contact with God himself. Such people, if you have a problem, have them pray for you. So that you'll be able to access this benefit. So such people deserve what? Respect. So that the promises of divine healing can have an effect on you. That means you need to respect your elders, respect the leadership, respect your pastor. If not, you are just wasting time. Because there is nothing that's going to benefit you by coming here. Because as a pastor, he's watching over your soul. Unless you are, a, you are somebody who's visiting. But if not, you need to what? Believe in your pastor. Have confidence in your pastor. Now, I want to, as we are about to close, uh, I see time has run, for, run out. So I've already told you about Ezekiel. We are not going to speak about him. Now, in closing, there's a quotation that I want us to read. This will be our last quotation. Then after this, we can close. Remember I said, Whatever happened to Hezekiah, even in that time it happened. Now I have a quotation for you here. This quotation is the quotation that inspired me to prepare this message. Because when I read this quotation, I just shed tears because I could not believe that respect, if you respect your leadership, you respect your prophet, you respect God's prophet, what he stands for, Something like this can happen for you. Let's read this quotation. Then after that we are closed. Hallelujah. The quotation is uh, the spoken word. Make the valley full of dishes. That was preached in 1953, June uh, 9. And then we'll start with paragraph 3. Brother Brenham says, A lady in my church a brother Bella, a Mrs. Weber. She was dying with TB. She was in a sanatorium at the last stages. Remember, during the time of Brother Brenham, we didn't have many TB medication. So mostly TB was a fatal disease. If you had TB, you were going to wither away and die. That's why, remember, if you remember, even uh, Brother Brenham's first wife, Hope, died, died from TB. Even the young daughter, Sharon Rose, also died from TB. Because at that time, we didn't have treatment for TB. Now, this woman was in, in a sanitarium. Sanitarium is a place whereby if you have TB, because it is contagious, they will put you there so that you don't uh, infect other people. Now, they sent they send her home to die. Said there's nothing could be done for her. 
Mrs. Grace Weber in Jeffersonville. She lived just beyond the tabernacle, and she has got five or six children. So the angel of the Lord came to me that night and said, God tell Mrs. Weber, tell Mrs. Weber rather, uh, Mr. Weber rather, to go get some things ready. Do you see now the same uh, scripture of Hezekiah repeating itself here? To get things ready, for he's going to be left with those children. Remember we say she had about five or six children. She is going to be left with those children on his hand, for his wife is going. That was the angel of the Lord. Well, I went and told Mr. Weber. I told his little girl, little Jean Rose, which is a nurse now. She was a little bitchy fella then. She was a long, young lady now. She's a young lady now. It's been seven years ago when this happened. I said, now Jenny, your mother is going to die. Hmm. Imagine having to break such news. Do you see the weight that sometimes is on the pastor? Because you realize one thing that I've realized. With the doctor, a doctor might be there when you're sick. Mara, your doctor will never be at your funeral. You know that. But a pastor is there when you are born, when you have been raising up, when you are going through life, when you are also being baptized, when you are marrying, when you are dying. <laughs> that means all through your life, the pastor is there. That is why Pastor Madiba says one time when you are saying, you are saying, Sometimes the emotion becomes so much because now somebody is crying. I have to sympathize with them. Somebody is happy. I have to come, come from that stage whereby a saint was crying, go up to that extent whereby somebody rejoices with one who is happy. He says sometimes he's exhausted because of how his mood has to swing from low to down. That is a past. Now with a doctor, when they come and they say, uh, we're sending you home. It is bye-bye. It's is next patient. Whatever happens there, the pastor has to come, take care of it. Now, here you are, he says now, I speak to the little Jenny. Now, she was a young girl, maybe a teenager, maybe young at that time, saying, now Jenny, your mother is going to die. She can't live but a little while longer. And two days after that, or three days, there were some ladies from the government depot there where she worked, who came in. And she, uh, Mrs. Grace Weber, said, if I could only have Brother Bill to pray for me once more. After the angel of the Lord has said, God tell Mr. Weber to prepare because his wife is going. She says, if I can have Brother Bill pray for me once more. Now she's saying this to the ladies she's working with who are unbelievers. Now listen to what they say. Said, I seen when my cousin Opal was healed with, can- with that cancer. The doctor just gave her till morning to leave. And her doctor is a nurse also. That's Brother Brenham saying it. Said, the girls fr- said that. Said the girls from out of the government where she worked. There is n- nothing to that guy. They said there is nothing to Brother Brenham. He is nothing but a hypocrite. Who? Saying that about the word, the man of God. Said, that's all the religion is. It's just a bunch of fake fanatism. Now, here is a believer. Here is Mrs. Weber answering them. She says, look, I'm dying. And I know that. But I just won't stand 
still for death. I will not stand still and let you slander the man of God's name in this way. No. She said, I know better than that. She said, I've lived right here around the city, around that man all the time. I seen him from a child as he grew up. She said, I know you can't call it fake. You can call it fake if you want, but I've seen it just as much. Seen God heal the people. She said, I know the man's life and I know it is the truth. There it is there. Respect. And Brother Bram says, and it happened to be that the angel of the Lord had it. Oh my God. The angel of the Lord did what? Had it. And that very night, sitting on the side of my chair in the room, after I got up, I went and got a drink of water. About three o'clock in the morning, sitting on a chair. Oh, do you see the work, the load that a pastor has to carry? Three o'clock, you are sleeping. She is sitting on a chair. Oh my God. That is why you need to respect your pastor. About three o'clock in the morning, sitting on a chair, I seen him come walking through the door. He said, tomorrow, that is Sunday, that they are going to pick Mrs. Weber and bring her down. She'll be sitting on the right side for her back in the terminal. He said, I hate her. Tell her I hate her. I hate what she said. And tell her, thus said the Lord, she will live and not die. Oh my God. There you are. You see now, he says, there you are. All right. His presence was there when she was taking up for what was right. Her presence, his presence was there. He found her. He came, told me what she had said, what she had said to this woman. And he had respect to her because she had respect unto what was representing God. You get it now? That is why you need to have respect for your brother. Because he is representing God. He is looking, watching over your soul. Hallelujah. So God will do the same thing for her. He will do the same thing for you. Hallelujah. Not to respect to me, no, but to respect him. To respect Christ, the one who died for your reading. If you just give respect to him and his word, God will do the work for you. Amen. Amen. As we can stand up, hallelujah. There you are. If you have respect for God's word, respect for God's promises, respect for any channel that God has put for you, anything that he has put there, if you come there and coordinate with those people, work together with them, God will do something for you. But you need to have what? Respect. You need to coordinate with them. You need to listen to them. You need to know that they are watching over your soul. They are there for you. Not for anybody else, but for you. And then that is how you're going to access your channel of blessing. That is how you're going to access those divine healing, those redemptive 
divine blessing that God has put for you. Hallelujah. Uh, we can just sing a song. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Uh, we'll sing another one and then we'll ask our elder uh, Brother Payan to come and close the service in the word of prayer. Hallelujah. Amen. We can come with another worshiping song. Amen. And then if you have a need, uh, you can just indicate by raising of your hand as our brother will come and put whatever you need you may have and then pray so that God can come and then into your situation, whatever you might be having, so that he can come and heal you if you need healing. If you have a problem, he may come and be the one who's going to take care of the problem that you may be having. And even if you think it is time that you come and take the stand for God, you want him to be the kind, the God that will lead you. You want to yield unto him. Even you can just do that by indicating raising of hands. I do not know what is the reason why you may be heavy raising the hand, but the God who is an omnipotent God, omnipresent God, who knows, can even look into, discern the thought of men, see even into the hearts of men, he will know what is it that you need. And then if you need blessing, I assure you he'll come and bless you. As we sing a worshiping song, as our brother comes to close the service in the word of prayer. Amen.
goodness for our heads once more. Our gracious eternal heavenly Father, we thank you once more this morning, Lord. Amen, Lord. Came down and anoint our dear brother, Heavenly Father, to speak to our hearts, Lord. Heavenly Father, we know that you don't just speak, you speak, Heavenly Father, with a reason, with a purpose, Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for using our brother speaking to us this morning. You know, Lord, as he reminded us that we are pilgrims and we are strangers. We are confessing like Abraham that we are looking for a city whose builder and maker is God himself. Don't belong to this earth, Heavenly Father. That is our confession this afternoon, Lord. We thank you once more, Heavenly Father. You know our needs before we can confess them, Lord, because you can see deep down in our hearts, Lord, what is troubling us, Lord. Our needs, Heavenly Father, mighty God, we thank you that you will provide accordingly, Lord. We can say like all David, Heavenly Father, since we knew the Lord as our Savior, We are now old men with children, Heavenly Mm. Father. We have never seen you, Heavenly Father, for forsaking your children, Lord. Heavenly Father, as we come to the end of this year, Lord, as I prophet said, Heavenly Father, is my prayer also this afternoon. May you bless your church abundantly, Heavenly Father. May you bless them spiritually, Heavenly Father. May you bless them physically, Heavenly Father. May you heal the sicknesses that they are having, Lord. May you bless them, Heavenly Father, financially, Lord. May you bless them materially, Heavenly Father. Almighty God, is my prayer once more that you give them strength, Heavenly Father. You protect them against all the accidents, Lord, Heavenly Father, until we meet at the appointed time in 2019, Heavenly Father. That's my prayer, Heavenly Father, that you bless them, Lord. Oh, Heavenly Father, we know, Lord, that people will be going, Heavenly Father, from pillar to post, Lord, to protect themselves, Lord. But I pray, Heavenly Father, for the pillar of fire, Lord, to go with each and every one of them, Lord. Protect them, I pray, Heavenly Father. That is my prayer, Heavenly Father. Bless them once more, Heavenly Father. You know their needs, Heavenly Father, as each and every one of them will be in his or her corner, Lord making their goals for the 2019, Lord. I pray, Heavenly Father, that let each and every one of them have this one in their goals, Heavenly Father, that they may be better children in 2019. They may be better parents in 2019, Lord. They may be better Christians in 2019, Lord. May may they be better neighbors in 2019. May they be better Christians, Lord. May they be better everything in 2019, Lord, for the benefits, Lord, for your kingdom, for the glory of your kingdom, Lord. Heavenly Father, may they be better singers, Lord. May they be better preachers, Lord. May they be better deacons, Lord. Better trust this, Lord. 
Everything may they better themselves to the kingdom of God, Lord. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you strengthen them, Lord. Bless our pastor also, Heavenly Father. Give them wisdom and strength, Heavenly Father, to 2019. I pray for the deacons, Lord. Bless them. Let them serve you better, Lord. The trustees of this church, the treasurers, Lord. The musicians, Heavenly Father. The technical team, Heavenly Father. Those who look after our children, Heavenly Father, the superintendent that they look after, the little ones, Lord. The laity, Heavenly Father. Those that they clean our church, Heavenly Father. Those that look after this tabernacle, Lord. Heavenly Father, that is my prayer. That you bless them abundantly. You give them strength, Lord. We pray, Heavenly Father, and we commit ourselves, Lord, until we meet again at the appointed time. We pray, Heavenly Father, Mm. in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and all this church shall agree by saying, Amen. 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 Uh, I think you'll have a blessed Sunday and a blessed uh, weekend and then also a blessed Happy New Year. And a blessed Merry Christmas, Amen. And then, like uh, Brother Brem, Brother Mpanyan um, has said, there is a quotation by Brother uh, the Prophet that says, "As you enter into a new year, He wishes you every blessings to come upon you, financially, spiritually, materially, whatever you have need of, that God can come and grant it to you abundantly." So that when you start the new year, you'll start it with a new verb, with a new spirit, with a looking forward to the year. And then with the prophet having said that, we believe that you will be blessed. And then you will be blessed and stay blessed. So I will ask my brother here to come and he just sing two songs. And then after that, we are dismissed. Hallelujah. May God bless you. Amen.